The following conversation with Jerry O'Brien, editor of the Bend Bulletin, aired on January 3rd, 2020, on the Radical Songbook on KPOV, 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest, and that airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Welcome to the Radical Songbook, sisters and brothers. I really appreciate it. And uh, my guest, Jerry O'Brien, the editor of the Bent Bulletin. Jerry, welcome to uh, KPOV. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming in. So uh, 2019 was a challenging year for Ben's daily newspaper. The Bulletin um, declared bankruptcy in January. Uh, paychecks stopped arriving on payday. Papers didn't get delivered um, every day. Workers worried that they would lose their jobs. Western Communications, the owner, the owned both owned the Bulletin and the Redmond spokesman, uh, owed uh, about a million dollars in back taxes going back several years. So things looked pretty grim uh, as the Bulletin owners put the newspaper and its uh, building on Chandler Avenue up for sale. Smaller newspapers owned by the Bulletin's parent company, some of them had already been sold as the company tried to come to terms with creditors. Would the bulletin follow in the footsteps of so many U.S. newspapers that have closed up shop? Would Ben lose the newspaper that had been been here longer than the town itself? Did it matter? Many in the community, including some of us who often disagreed with bulletin editorials, believed that it did matter. From left to right, I have talked to and know a lot of people who believe that Ben absolutely needs a daily newspaper. Full disclosure, from my perspective, I've worked as a reporter and editor in print journalism uh, for 36 years, starting when I was 17 and as a sports writer, not even really knowing what I was doing, uh, but I got paid. <laughs> and uh, I like to say that the only thing that's, that uh, was left in my first story that I submitted to the editor was my byline. <laughs> that's Everything usually else, the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Everything else was changed. But I learned. I've always read my local newspaper wherever I lived, uh, and I'm uh, very biased toward print journalism. Anyway, it was with some relief um, for many of us to learn that there were some companies interested in buying the bulletin, though it was a little clear, and I, I had some concern about whether or not they would keep publishing the paper. Um, finally, when the bulletin and the spokesman went up for auction in July, EO Media Group, that stands for East, or also known as East Oregonian Publishing, emerged as the top bidder. And with some significant financial help from a handful of Central Oregon movers and shakers, uh, they were able to purchase um, the bulletin and the Redmond spokesman. On September 1st, EO Media took over the bulletin, and on September 16th, Jerry O'Brien started working as the bulletin editor, replacing Eric Lukens. Jerry O'Brien has been busy ever since, editing the paper, reaching out to people, businesses, and nonprofits in the area, including KPOV. We had a meeting with him shortly after he arrived in Bend. Uh, he's been writing occasional columns uh, to readers to keep everyone up, uh, up to speed and informed about what is happening at the Bulletin. So, uh, Jerry, welcome to KPOV again. Um, is there anything you want to add to that uh, 2019 scenario <laughs> well i gotta say you know ever since september it's it's pretty much been like drinking from a fire hose to to uh kind of get all these uh, our ducks in a row to get back up and running as uh, smoothly as we possibly can so i um 
I don't think so. It's been great, a great experience to be in, in Bend. Uh, there's so much going on in this community, so it's very exciting, and it's it's a good deal for uh, newspapers and journalism in general just to cover uh, a city like this that's just so uh, different and varied and uh, and just going places really. So, um, I just think that uh, the community. Uh, we really want to thank the community for stepping up and supporting us. Uh, they want to keep a local newspaper around, and we're going to fulfill our promise to them that we'll do the best journalism we possibly can for our readers. Yeah, I've read the Bend Magazine article about the uh, the local people that helped to uh, finance the uh, uh, help to make the purchase possible. And uh, yeah, there you know, I mean, you can if you read listeners, if you're interested, if you can find a copy of the Bend uh, Bend Magazine, it gives uh, considerable detail about. Who the players are? They're very familiar names to anybody who's been paying attention to what's going on uh, here in in Bend, and, and I would say that they politically, from my own experience and not understand knowledge of the folks, they're not all they they cross a broad political spectrum spectrum from 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 left to right, if you will. Um, so uh, we got about three minutes, two and a half minutes before the break. But let's let me start by just asking: You came here from Klamath Falls. Mm-hmm. You were the editor of the newspaper down in Klamath mm-hmm. Falls, the Herald of News. Yes, was that owned by EO Media? No, it was not. Uh, the connection I have there is with our publisher here in Bend, uh, Heidi Wright, who was the publisher down there in Klamath Falls. Oh, uh, back in 2016, I think, and uh, she worked there for a few years before coming, uh, moving up to Bend and joining. Uh, the Ben paper, and then after leaving here, went up to Salem and joined EO Media. And when the paper here in Ben came up for auction, uh, they decided to take the chance and uh, dive in and and uh, bid on uh, the newspaper. Yeah, and I want to talk a bit about that. Ben, what what is your just what's your background before? Oh, okay, calls? sure. Yeah, so I'm actually a New Jersey native, so you can't hold that against me. Um, but I'm a little streetwise because of that, I think. Um, but I actually I went to a college in Colorado, in uh, Boulder, Colorado, uh, for uh, literature, English, and journalism. And uh, it was right after the Watergate era, so that's how far back I go. Uh, the thing about that is you can't. It, w- it was difficult to find work in Colorado after school because journalism had become so popular that uh, it just got flooded. So I was fortunate to uh, find my first job in Montana. Uh, in a small weekly newspaper, but it was right in right in the uh, shoulder of uh, Yellowstone National Park. Which what town was it? Uh, Red Lodge, Montana. It was one of the entranceways to Yellowstone. I've been there. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Beautiful little town. Yeah, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, for a first job like that, it was just wonderful. And um, from there, I joined uh, Lee Enterprises newspapers across Montana. Worked there for. Um, just close to 40 years, which is where I met uh, Heidi Wright uh, in Butte, Montana. Uh, she was the publisher of the paper there. And so we've been connected on and off over many, uh, many different uh, scenarios. And uh, she offered me the job in Klamath, and then she offered me the job up in Bend. So right. here I am. All right. So you've been here on the job since mid-September. Um, how's it going? Well, I think uh, things have improved greatly. You know, I was just talking to some folks about what it was like, what was the uh, the attitude or the, the mood like at the newspaper back in um, April and May. And, you know, th- because of the uncertainty of the bankruptcy and uh, uh, pending layoffs with some people, loss of health care benefits, uh, not making their payrolls, you know, people were pretty uh, skittish about uh, sticking with the newspaper. 
thank God a lot of people did decide to stick around. And I can say now, um, one of the ways I kind of uh, measure the tenor of a newsroom is, are people talking with each other? Are they engaging? Are they laughing? Are they making jokes about things? You know, we make a lot of jokes about the news, just like everybody else does. Right. Because it's kind of that. Even more uh, so, I would kind of, say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> it keeps you sane. It helps keep you a little bit sane anyway. And so... I think that's going on, you know, everybody's engaged again, and that's a good sign that uh, we've got a healthy newsroom and a healthy uh, uh, building and that people are working together. So when you see that, I think uh, things are, we've turned the corner and we're going to start getting down the the line where we actually are doing some more hard-hitting local journalism. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, actually, there's a history of some really great reporters over the years doing that kind of work. A woman named Hillary Borod, whose name you might yes, know. Yes, I do recognize that. the Oregonian. Mm-hmm. She, she, she did some great work when she covered City Hall here several years ago. Uh, but I've talked to, I know, I have friends that are photographers and, and, uh, writers, reporters, and I've, I've asked them, you know, so how are you feeling? And, and, you know, they, they are, Mirroring what you just said, that there's a, uh, there's a real change in their attitude and their feeling, yeah, their security and stuff. Great. Ha- have you had to lay off people? No, not at all. Um, we actually, uh, we've actually been hiring some people. We hired on a business reporter, and we hired on an extra sports reporter or an outdoors reporter. Because uh, both those topics, outdoors and business, are key to uh, our coverage in uh, Central Oregon. That's, that's what's going on here the most. That's why people move here for the outdoors. Right. But they also move here, and they bring uh, some interesting and new innovative businesses here so that's yeah. why we're uh, we're hiring folks on yeah that i mean that you know the reason the reason that my wife and i um actually we had we had subscribed to the oregonian for a long time and i don't expect you to to say what i'm going to say but I, well, I i we stopped subscribing to them when they dropped their local music oh. their cultural writers mm-hmm. and stuff sure. and and i think that that's very important and go magazine for example in my view is extremely important to this community and brian's work and yeah. yes David very Jasper's much so. work and the outdoor all of that stuff that really is uh local people talking about local cultural and outdoors activities i yeah. think is really important well there's such a wealth of entertainment going on here that it's uh, i'm amazed that we can keep track of it all in go magazine but that's an excellent resource for people to look at to say, to see what's going on you know planning their weekends but also those folks write really interesting profiles of the right. the singers and song and songwriters that are coming here the theater groups they're just fascinating and so that's something that you won't get anywhere else and that's why uh one, that's another key part of being a community newspaper is to keep the the community informed about what's going on what they can do uh one-stop shop you know reference to what's happening for the weekend so yeah uh, very good resource yes so you may not want to answer this question, but I'll ask it. Have you been able to maintain the uh, employee compensation level with the changeover? Yes. Okay. Yes. So far. <laughs> so, so far. far. Okay. We haven't changed anything Good there. Good to know. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, well, we brought in, we brought back, um, let's see, a uh, matching 401k benefits package oh. and also the health care. Uh, you know, they finally got health care uh, benefits back. Yeah. There. That was a real struggle a few years ago. For yeah. I, knew, I knew some people that were really concerned about their health care. Yeah. I can't imagine that happening to anybody. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really um, nice of you in one of your columns to encourage um, people to tip their carriers. Oh, right. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, you know, over the years, uh, it, we, I, I got a great carrier right now, I will say. And uh, I took your advice, and I would encourage other people who get the paper delivered that, you know, this is a somewhat thankless task in the middle of the night, rain or shine. Uh, I mean, it's uh, 
you know. Yeah, it's a good time of year to do that for them. But, you know, I, I'd encourage tipping them monthly or every quarter or so. But uh, our carriers really do work hard. And a lot of our uh, circulation and delivery problems were not their fault. But uh, just through the transition, it made it tough uh, to get the circulation um, process back up and running well. And we've turned the corner on that as well. And I think we're getting to the point where uh, people are satisfied. I'll just let you know, say, uh, back in September, we had over, say, a thousand complaints a month from our uh, subscribers. Delivery paper, delivery was not on time or wasn't there. I hadn't seen it for a few days. We've cut that in half uh, by November. And I, I imagine that the complaints are down now to probably about 200 or so a month, which is still kind of high. It would sound pretty high. But uh, to be able to do that in these last six months is a remarkable feat. And yeah, I'll, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I, like I say, our, our, our delivery has been really excellent um, the last several months. Um, so I, I guess what I wanted to ask you, too, about is what, what changes you've, you, you, you see coming down the pike. But it's kind of tied to um, – uh, a term that both you and uh, publisher Heidi Wright have used in publications and in, in, uh, stuff in, in writing, and I, you know, in the, you, you mentioned this term in your the interview that you did with uh, Oregon Public Broad- Broadcasting, where you both referred to um, solution-based journalism. Oh, right, yeah, uh, and and which can also be be considered a form, I guess, I would say, of advocacy journalism. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I was a union editor, so I was in advocacy journalism. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was interviewing the workers, not necessarily the bosses, if you will. Sure. You know, I was, I was, that was my side of, of what I did. So, but when you talk about solution-based journalism, uh, that's not something that we, uh, frankly, have heard uh, from that I can recall at the bulletin. And so, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, look at it this way, you know, newspapers, and I think they get criticized a lot about this, um, but they, they don't do too much about it, is when there's, there's a problem that a newspaper will point out, such as a teen suicide or homelessness or low graduation rates, something like that, the newspapers will, will hammer on a, a subject like that for quite a long time. Um, but there's no solutions offered up. There's no resolving it. The idea of the newspaper is to actually point out the problems, kind of you know, put that shine that light under the stone. But nothing really happens with it. With solutions-based journalism, what you have to do is you you point out these problems, but then you also work uh, as an advocate to bring people together that can help solve those problems. Down in Klamath, we uh, and Heidi actually started this. Uh, with the paper down there, we had low, low graduation rates. And I think they're probably still low to a lot of people across the state of Oregon, high school graduation rates. Um, but they were in the 60 percentile for for students. What we started was a thing called Klamath Promise, which was to bring together community leaders, business people, people that are in the know in the school districts, and others that are tied to uh, the fallout from low graduation rates, such as in the criminal uh, districts. And what they would do is uh, kind of hammer out a solution to this. How do we get more students graduating? How do we get the degrees in their hands? And the the Klamath Promise has been going on for about five years. We've moved the dial from 60% to up to 80% graduation rates now, just by raising the awareness of the issue um, and also 
participating as a solution-based newspaper just by bringing people together. It's not that the, the reporters are doing anything different other than reporting the issues, but because we're a voice in the community, people will, and a legitimate voice, people will come to us and we can kind of push that issue forward and get it resolved. So that, that's the kind of thing that, that we would do with, uh, here, in, here in Bend as well. So that was literally initiated by the newspaper. Yes, it was. Falls. Mm-hmm. And that's why your goal is here is to literally init- help, to help initiate, bring together. Right. I mean, obviously, you don't do it all by yourself. But right. To, but, but, to, but you know, you know, there's a lot of issues out there that people are talking about, like affordable housing, homelessness, people that, you know, are working here but can't afford uh, uh, to rent. Right. And so they're, they're living in vans. Right. And things like that. Kids that are going to school that are homeless. Those right. kinds of things, you know. That's that's the kind of stuff that I think Ben could solve easily. Ben's got a really good reputation and a track record for solving problems. These are some of the problems I think they're they're focusing on now, and the newspaper wants to be part of that. Yeah, and another one, of course, be getting back to schools is right here in, in Central Oregon as well. The recent report that uh, the school board and the school district issued around the whole issues, uh, the issues of uh, equity and diversity and inclusion, bringing you know, making. Making all students and no, no, specifically students of color or GLBTQ mm-hmm. students, uh, transgender students, making them more comfortable and and at home in the school system. It's, yes, yeah. yes. So, um, so I would say that in the past, uh, and I, I had a conversation myself with uh, a couple of conversations with Eric Lukens, the former editor, about this. That in the past, the bulletin didn't always um, seem to reflect community values or even want to reflect community values. And and I realize community values is a very broad mm-hmm, sure. terminology. I mean, it's all over the map in a mm-hmm. way. But we are in a community that um, is evolving and is changing. It's, 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 it's politically changing, just literally the demographics, and, that cre- right. and that's a part of a cultural change shifts as well. Sure. And so what role do you see the bulletin playing in, in – in that change? Well, I, I would say that, um, you know, in early in my career, one of the things that stuck out to me was that uh, the newspaper was kind of an us-against-them type of uh, operation. I can remember being in the newsroom, and people would come in and ask for story I, stories to be put, put in the paper or ask for some help on some community issue they wanted to get resolved. And they were basically told that's that's not our business that's not what we want to do and they would be thrown out of the office almost you know to that point and it just didn't sit right with me i just i just couldn't understand why why don't we help with some of these issues get resolved without you know crossing over the the line of bias i mean we can take a stand editorially on a lot of things that need pointing out but we can also help resolve some of these things within a, a year or so i moved down to billings montana uh the the billings gazette there the publisher there had a whole different view point of what the newspaper should be doing. The newspaper was deeply involved in what was going on in the community, would help finance different events, would back them, promote them, uh, bring in people to resolve some of those issues. And because of that, their business model helped it, and it grew. It was a tremendously strong voice across the entire state because of those kinds of things. And I thought that's really what a newspaper should be doing. So. When you talk about uh, community involvement, which is which is pretty broad, the newspaper plays a role in that. The uh, other media do help as well, and we 
what we do with, with the other media is we try to partner with them to get the word out, just like we're doing today. You know, it's, it's not an us against them kind of mentality anymore. It's more like, how can we help uh, and how can we help resolve some of those problems? Yeah, it's that, that attitude that you referred to that uh, in your, you know, before you moved to Billings, the attitude of the newspaper to people from the community. That's the kind of thing that kind of gave birth to um, alternative forms of newspapers yes. and stuff because sure. they, that was kind of a gap that could be filled both in, both in radio and in, in print. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I, you know, when we started a newspaper in 1970 in Sonoma County, we were basically able to do things. We were willing and able to do things that the that the daily newspaper, sure, for whatever touch. reason, right, weren't, weren't you doing. know because of the journalism ethics are pretty uh, pretty strict at that point. Um, one of the publishers I worked for noted when he came on board that we had a lot of policies that told people, uh, no, we're not going to do that, or no, we can't do that for you. We Just a ton of policies. And he says, you know, we ought to turn these policies around to say that, yes, we can help you instead of, no, we can't. So how so how will some of this play out politically? Do you think? I mean, Bend is uh, and even and Deschutes County, I would say, is um, there's a political shift going on. I think. Yeah, right. And you know, we're walking that tightrope right now, and we do get a lot of feedback from from readers, mainly about the national news coverage. But you know, everybody is talking about how Bend is such a uh, kind of a uh, jelly donut with uh, kind of a, a red exterior and a blue interior and more of a you know purple in the center or purple on the uh, in in between there and so bend is is shifting because of the uh, in, amount of people that are cu- coming in uh, to more of a uh, a blue type of uh, uh, political viewpoint but that doesn't mean that we we change what we cover as well I mean we need to um, we can't be all things to all people, but we also need to strike a balance when we're covering the news, either pro or anti uh, um, some groups. Um, we're not really responsible for the national news. Right. It, it does depend on how it's played up. And that that's, you know, people are looking at us pretty closely. And I really appreciate that when they call and contact us and want to know why we played a story one way or another. Um, but it's mainly the national tenor that's that's uh, got people upset more than our local coverage. Well, uh, and and on a local level, I mean, last election, the editorials, uh, the the bulletin editorials, um, endorsements, the endorsements of mm-hmm. candidates, um, for whatever reason, the the you know, if the bulletin were to, were to if the, those editor editors had, were to do a scoreboard, mm-hmm. it didn't look. They lost a lot of those, you know, uh-huh. even Democrats that they endorsed, even, you know, I mean, a lot of the people that they endorsed were people that I personally wouldn't have supported, but I, I was surprised, a couple, that, and they lost. And so it, what, it, what, I, what it said to me was, A, you know, the, the newspaper the editorial board seems to be a little out of touch with where the community is at. Right, right. Uh, not, that, not that it should just totally make decisions based on... Sure, on what you, you know, read in the paper. What, you know, what you hear. But it also it just said, it said to me that... Uh, that they were just like not paying real close attention to what was going on in the community as well. Uh, yeah. are, have you? It's, you haven't had well, haven't had to write any editorials endorsing anybody yet. Not yet. Gonna. But we are going to do endorsements. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've started a, a community editorial board, who a board of advisors, pretty right. much, um, and they're meeting monthly. And uh, now that the, the political season is starting to heat up, uh, they'll be meeting with different candidates, especially the local ones, and we'll go over their interviews and, and discuss who we should be endorsing for the for the uh, uh, 
different offices. So the, the advisory board members are actually going to be helping to interview yes, candidates. Yes, they'll be they'll be part of the uh, interview okay. process. Um, that you know the the editorial uh, department actually makes the final decision, and the publisher makes the final call right. on any endorsements. But you know there are, there there have been instances where I've been at papers where the publishers insist that we're going to go straight down the uh, Republican Party line for endorsements. And it becomes obvious to the readers what we're doing, and they back away from that. And so yeah, you lose your credibility. Question. Yeah, you really lose your credibility. So, um, and I won't guarantee that we may not make some mistakes on our endorsements, but we'll endorse on what we believe the best candidate is and what they would do for this community and now what their political affiliation is. And so the advisory board, um, it's a six-month mm-hmm. Six-month step. So um, they'll, they'll likely be a, um, a changeover in that board. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. During, be, That's a good point. Between yeah. now and, and, yeah. and the election. What, I don't you know, know if may, in the May, not the May, maybe yeah. not the May primary, but certainly by November. Right. Um, I, so um, I, I've, one of the questions that a, that a listener um, asked me about had to do with, with the advisory board and the fact that um, – well, once when you when you announce the advisory board editorially, I know a lot of people that that uh, uh, applied. Uh-huh. I applied myself, though I applied pretty late in the game, and I really wasn't expecting to get it. But I have I have a lot of friends who I would who I would who would, they would describe and I would describe as progressives, mm-hmm. and they were they were they were a little disappointed at the um, makeup of the makeup the yeah. current advisory board. Um, I mean, you even have a, a a guy who's part of the Redmond Patriots. Uh, right, on, right on the board. Uh, I don't know him personally, uh, but that's a that's generally considered a pretty conservative. Um, Very conservative. Yes, that's one and side. There doesn't of it. seem to be um, uh, that liberal view. A, a balance mm-hmm. uh, there, and uh, so what's your goal long term in terms of this? I mean, I assume that anybody who uh, applied can reapply. Yes. Uh, again, and you'll announce it, and right. we'll go through the same process. Sure. I, I think we, we do want to strike a balance, uh, not only uh, politically, but where people live. You know, so we I, were, That's a very important point. We I were think. looking at people from Redmond right. um, and people on the east side, the west side of the, the city itself, um, maybe even Lapine, just uh, to get kind of a, a broader swath of what's going on. The, re- the real goal of the editorial board is, is to uh, hear possibly story ideas that we haven't heard of before or things we haven't covered that we're missing. You know, we don't want to miss that opportunity. And so the editorial board, their strength is they bring information to us that we may not know of. And so that helps us get a a bigger perspective on what's going on rather than just political. In fact, the politics didn't really play into it as much uh, in this first selection, but it's a new operation. And so we're just kind of feeling our way through that one. Um, you know, you're right. We're going to change over right around April, May. I think we're going to stagger some of the board members so that we have some consistency. So they don't, you know, a, new, a fresh board that comes in doesn't have to relearn the ropes, so to speak, um, yeah. so that we have kind of a handoff there. Well, yeah, without, without you know, like naming any name, there's a lot of progressives out there that I know are really smart people well, who, aren't necessar- <laughs> who aren't necessarily as perhaps as um, ideologically driven mm-hmm. as somebody who might be in the patriot organization yeah, as a certain ideological right, right. thing you know there's some there's some great people out there that i hope that you'll i hope that they will uh if you're out there listeners if you i hope you'll apply and uh and i hope that they'll be that the the advisory board will will uh start mm-hmm. to reflect that i guess um 
So um, one of the issues that um, that I'm personally concerned about, I just want to let listeners know, this is Michael Funky. This is the Radical Songbook here on 88.9 KPOV, and I'm talking with Jerry O'Brien, who's the editor of the Bulletin. Um, so one of the issues that is of concern to me is that historically – I would say that the bulletin um, has not done a really good job representing uh, what I would uh, define as marginalized communities, people mm-hmm. of color, GLBTQ, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. And, and so have you, have you had any conversations with anybody about that? Or are you, have you ha- been able to reach out to any of the local organizations that work on those kinds of issues? And, uh, the, you know, the Latino community is, is growing Right. That's the, really rapidly. That's a big in the, part you know, of our, It's grown. I mean, I know yes. that 30 years is a long. It's grown by 500 percent in 30 years. And having lived here myself since 2001, I can tell you that, you know, the, just the visible the visible changes of people of color, not just Latinos, but black people and, and all is growing. And um, yeah, I would, I, would say, I would say the bulletin needs to, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on the bulletin right. in relationship well, to that? This really struck me, even in Klamath, it struck me that uh, the Latino community was probably 25% of our population, and we were not reaching out to them. So what we did is we started a, um, a Spanish-speaking Facebook post, a site, and a, and a Spanish-speaking uh, post on our website. Where was sh- this? In Klamath. In Klamath Falls, yeah. okay. And so the same is, holds true here. And I think uh, the Latino Community Association that's uh, mentioned here, the uh, we have reached out to them to try to work with them. Uh, I would love to get a, a Spanish-speaking version, at least a small part of our paper, to have that, or uh, a different type of uh, publication that we can reach out to that community, and the same go. The same thing goes for all the other uh, people, uh, people of color or, or diverse uh, backgrounds. I just think uh, we need to reach out to them as much as possible. And one of the things that struck me was with uh, the Bend um, Visioning Group had mentioned that they didn't get a lot of participation from people that really are uh, deeply affected by some of the changes that go on with Bend, and we need to be more inclusive of those folks, and that's what we're trying to do with that, Um, either through the newspaper, uh, through reaching out to them through a a different language, or just having community meetings going out into the neighborhoods and making sure that we are – that people are aware of what we're trying to do, and they can participate, and they're welcome to participate in the newspaper as much as possible. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a struggle to to mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish that, but I think it's really important. Yeah, so it's I, very I important. commend you on that. I think that those are those are great ideas for for uh, for for reaching out to people. Um, and and you know, I mean, it's all all of this outreach, of course, you know, is is about ultimately for a newspaper. Um, you have to uh, you have to raise you have to survive. Right and 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 you know and and that's and where's you know, the that's growth? Bi- the growth is in in those communities. Building circulation builds advertising. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all it's all related. And you know, there were a number of people who left the bulletin over the years who were really ticked off. <laughs> and uh, yeah. hopefully, you're bringing some of them back. I, I, I you know, I, I hope that's the case. I, I, speaking as somebody here in the community who generally since 2001 never very, I would have to say that. You know, it was more of a surprise than not when I found myself agreeing with a with a bulletin editorial position. Um, I I always subscribe because I think it's just important to to have a daily newspaper that that tells me what's going on in my community. Oh sure, and it's the only way. And but, I and I've never quite understood uh, my my friends 
fellow travelers on uh, progressive and stuff why they don't why they say oh I don't like the bulletin because of the editorials and the thing about it is you've had some the bulletin has had some really great reporters over the years you still Definitely. have so you have some really great reporters now they're doing great work uh, we're hoping that we might be able to have some of them on some of our shows oh that would be great too down yeah. the road We've they have about some that. good stories to tell as well yeah. Yeah, but how how are you you know how how are you doing this kind of outreach to build this circulation? Well, that that is a good question. I I think uh, our circulation department was kind of in uh, uh, chaos there when we first took over, and we're we're, we're getting it to settle down now. So uh, the next steps are uh, kind of coffee clatches with the editor, like I say, going to the different neighborhoods and talking to people, making people aware that we are available, that uh, you can come up and talk to the, us anytime. But I would rather be out in the community uh, meeting with different groups, that I, as many as I can possibly meet with, and just let them know where we want to talk to them. We want to get their stories told. We want to hear from them. And, we, and it does help our subscribership and our readership grow. Uh, but it also raises the awareness for the entire community that we're, we're just not one, we're not Ben-centric. We have, there's a lot of other groups out there in smaller communities. They have a lot of needs. Uh, that, you know, the, the tribal nations have a lot of needs up north uh, that need to be resolved. And uh, we want to be that voice for them and to help resolve any kind of issues they may have. But we, I think the readership grows by knowing that these groups are there as well, that they're part of the, the uh, community too. And it really helps uh, kind of meld our community together a little bit more, a little more cohesively that way. Yeah, I would I would suggest Latino Community Association uh, uh, getting together with them, mm -hmm. if you could. Uh, this there's this group, Restorative Justice and Equity Group, that has done some great work, working with the uh, school district, uh, bringing together students of color in town hall settings uh, to talk sure. about racism and the issues that they face in you know being able to come together. I mean, their first town hall brought together something like seventy students of color which quite frankly was probably the biggest gathering of people yeah. of color in Central Oregon. I can imagine. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. since, since, since before the white settlers showed up, no. which I guess should just lead, will lead me right oh, into yes, the, to this question. <laughs> the, the covered wagon editorial. So that got uh, some people. So I guess my perspective on the editorial, and I don't expect you to necessarily. It was quite a while ago. I don't expect you to remember every word, you know. You know, and I, and I'm for, I don't have it in front of me. But I guess what troubled me about it was that it kind of, the way it was written, it kind of encouraged um, folks out there to. And you got a few letters, at least one that I can think of. To um, it, it kind of encouraged the idea of possible negative responses to what the native people. Uh, who spoke at the city council were talking about, and I kind of think that missed the point. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. what they were talking about uh, went well beyond the image of a covered wagon, you know, in terms sure. of Native people and how Native people are viewed in, yeah. not just in Central Oregon, but in yeah. society in general. Yeah, I, I think I talked to one of the folks that did speak at the council meeting, yeah. and they had mentioned that, you know, it re they really weren't angry about the um the covered wagon picture or photo or that thing but it was more like the sensitivity of of the folks that that put it out there they you know there's kind of a, a wall there that people aren't thinking about those kinds of things but it, it, it's not an anger issue it's more of a, a cultural thing where you think let's um Let's make sure we're doing the right thing with these and not just overreact to a certain uh, issue that pops up. But let's make sure that these people are being heard. Right. Um, and I, I think it, it, 
you know, the, the issue itself is, is just kind of humorous in a way, and, and it can happen anywhere. In fact, in Billings, they have a whole uh, tourism campaign right now that has these big billboards in the state that say, Onward Pioneers. And so, you know, it looks like the invasion of the pioneers from the east coming west, and that, that doesn't sit well with people. And so, but, but as generations change over, people forget those kinds of things, oh, yeah. and they, they aren't sensitive to it, or maybe they think we're already past that, so we don't have to be sensitive to it. So there's a balance there between being you know, overly reactive or, or, or being insensitive, I guess. Um, so, so you consider, um, when, you, when you think of the bulletin, it's a Bend-based newspaper, but when you think of Central Oregon, do you, you see Madras and Warm Springs as yes, part of it? Yes, very your, much so. Very much yeah, I so. mean, uh, you know, Jefferson County is really the most diverse county in the state. Yeah. You know, a combination of the Latino community in Madras and the, and the Native people in, in the, uh, at Warm Spring. Uh, this is the Radical Songbook. Michael Funky, your host. I'm talking with Jerry O'Brien, who's the editor of the Bend Bulletin. And um, I don't know. I don't have a lot more questions to ask, I guess. I do did get another question from a listener who um, raised the issue of, of um, uh, the what seems to be, I guess, the regularity of Paul DeWitt getting uh, ink in the bulletin, if you will, <laughs> former chair of the Deschutes County Republican Party, particularly about uh, climate crises, uh, which I would argue, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I would argue some of what he writes, kind of, has written, kind of flies in the face of the facts. Right. And there are some, you have gotten some op-ed. Right, but I guess it raises back. the question of, um, so he's been, yeah, I, I assume from my own experience with the bulletin that in the past when I would write op-eds, and I did for a while write some, I got, got quite a few in over the years, uh, that he submits them, and uh, anybody can submit an op-ed, and you'll make a decision as to whether or not you'll run it. So. Sure. That was then. This is now. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so what's so a couple now? Of things, a couple of things are going on. Um, uh, first of all, I do believe we we ask all writers to submit only one uh, op-ed or a letter to the editor once a month, so we don't get overwhelmed with something, right. and we don't have repetitive right. uh, letters going back and forth and people fighting over the same issue back and forth and back and forth. Um, and I think we demand that of of Mr. Dewitt as well. Um, and uh, what we try to determine is. Is the issue being pushed forward enough that it's not uh, the same old uh, uh, conspiracy theory kind of thing or uh, uh, something that, that's being re repeated over and over again so that there's some new information out there uh, that we can publish? What we've decided to kind of settle on right now is to do more of a, uh, a thing of a board of experts who will be reporting, uh, actually writing op-eds for us that will explain technically difficult issues uh, with an overarching view, kind of giving a little historical perspective of it, and then uh, tell us what's going on now and maybe a look forward about what's going to happen in the future, especially uh, for something like climate change, which is uh, a, a topic now that it's it's gotten a lot of legs here, both in this community and around the state. Um, so when when we look at that, we're going to look for people that are pretty much vetted, that have experience or in the field, and they want to uh, talk about that issue, and they can explain it clearly to our readers, so readers get a really deep perspective of what's happening with that, that particular issue. And if we do that, I think that, that 
gives us more credibility, um, gives the paper uh, a little more reliability for readerships. You know, it's, it makes it more useful for the for the readers to have something like that in the paper rather than, uh, say, one group fighting with another group about uh, kind of nitpicking the science apart rather than realizing here are the facts of the issue and here's where we can go forward with it so we don't get stuck in this kind of morass of, you know, going back and forth no matter what the issue is. So you're going to actually put together a, a, a it's kind of a list kind of, of a of, board of experts, right? On right. Issues? We call it we call it a board of contributors, but yeah, board of contributors. Okay. Yeah, and I think those folks uh, we've asked a few to join us. Uh, we actually have some coming on board uh, to write for our business section um, because business again another very important piece of our coverage. And uh, we'll do that with the editorial uh, section as well. That doesn't mean that people like uh, Mr. DeWitt can't write letters to the editor. We'll still take those. And they all have to be vetted somewhat for their facts. And I, I think if we, we stick to that uh, mantra, then I think we'll, we'll do fine. It's, uh, it is time-consuming. The editorial page really does take some, some sure. time to, to pull all that together. Sure. And you, you're never going to please everybody about it. But at the same time, at least you give them a voice. We don't want, really want to restrict people's voice in the paper either. And so that's, it's a balancing act for us, of course, a fine line there. I, I can tell you after we're off air, I can give you the names of a, There's a couple of <laughs> people in town I know who are – I'm a scientist. Mm-hmm. Who are very, I mean, who have really been studying this stuff for right. years. Right. Yeah, and we're years. lucky to have them here. And and uh, who would, I believe, be will, very willing to uh, be part to of that join board. forces with yeah. you on this and 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 and, sure. and work on that that issue. That, I mean, that's specifically related to uh, mm-hmm. climate, climate change, climate uh, crises. Yeah. Um, so, but that's encouraging to know. I, I you know, I think, I, you know, I think we appreciate hearing that. It just, it's a, it's a real dramatic. Uh, uh, departure from what, frankly, to be totally honest, from what we're used to uh, hearing from the daily newspaper. Uh, I, you know, well, you know, it, it was pretty much a, <laughs> that. You getting back to that, uh, you know, what you were talking about about that door, you know, just, yeah, in your you know, face, that, kind no, of you know, right, <laughs> you know. Well, I think you know the the. A paper is, is a reflection of the community, and uh, we want to be that way. We don't want to be uh, leading the charge on a lot of things that uh, other people need to be doing, but at the same time, we, we need to uh, give the readers as much information as they possibly and as, as clean and as clear as possible. So when they're done reading the paper, they take 20 minutes to read it, they feel like they know they've got their day started, they know what's going on today, they know what's coming up uh, during the week, and so they can get on with their lives and then uh, rely on the paper to, to keep them informed on what's happening. So what do you think are some of the strengths of the bulletin and then some of, some of the weaknesses today? Uh, I think our biggest strength right now is our reporting staff, reporters and editors that we have in the newsroom. I mean, personally, I've not been in a newsroom that has that high a caliber of a reporting staff. It's just wonderful to come to work every day and to see these guys uh, working so hard and uh, covering their beats so well and with such detail. And, uh, and you know, they, they do lots of great feature reporting, too. They're very uh, diversified. Uh, they're very engaged in what they're doing. And they uh, they just they just love the work, and so it, it's fun to come to work every day to see that. And the, the reporting staff is somewhat young, younger, but the editing staff is very seasoned, and they know uh, the, you know they've been in Ben for a long time. They kind of know the ins and outs. So uh, between those two, the meld of, of the, that mixture really helps us put out a really excellent newspaper every day. And so EO Media, you've 
purchased the bulletin. Um, it was in real financial difficulties, which I, I understand, you know, you've been able to, through the bankruptcy, you've been able to, like, sort of shed a lot mm -hmm. of that, you know. Sure. But as you and I both know, I mean, everybody knows the newspaper industry, the media industry is going through rapid changes technologically. People are are, for whatever reasons, for better or worse, often not relying on print anymore. What mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. What, what are make, we doing? What makes you all think you can you can turn this around and and, and keep publishing a paper? That's yeah, the million dollar question. Um, you know, the internet had, had predicted the doom of newspapers, and I'd say that the internet has definitely affected newspapers. But at the same time, the credibility of the newspapers, that logo out there, tells people you can rely on this information, and hopefully, you don't see it as biased. And if if you can do that, you can survive either with, with a hard copy newspaper or just uh, something you're reading on your cell phone. And so we've gone into the, the different markets with or the different platforms, uh, Facebook, cell phone, Instagram, and, and all that, that all the, the media have, have gone to as well. Um, but I think what we'd like to do is keep readers engaged. I think you know that um, the Oregonian has just stopped taking uh, posting comments online on all their stories. They, uh, they were too contentious. I, th I think that's... That's in a way true, but it's also kind of a mistake in a smaller town not to let readers have their say uh, on your stories, uh, immediate feedback. I think that's great. And what, what is great about uh, the electronic side of it is that you do get immediate feedback and you do see who's reading your newspaper and you do kind of create a kind of a profile of who your readers are. As most people know, the older readers are the re ones that want to read the hard copy newspaper. And so as that group ages out, the younger readers are the tough ones to reach. So you have to reach them through their cell phones, really. And to do that, you have to write stories about them. You have to figure out what they want, where, where they are getting their engagement, and what uh, they, they really are, are, what they care about. And so it's a big shift for us. And I think the, the business model is a tough one to nail down. But we're moving that direction, and I think you'll see more and more of it as the years go on. And, uh, you know, I don't think you'll ever see the, the newspaper per se go away, but you'll see it in a much more electronic format. See it in warm electronic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm a, you know, yeah, I'm just this print guy, you know. Sure. Uh, my, well, wife and I, my wife and I are... are are upset that the Monday paper now comes in one section. We uh, right, right, because we we read it over breakfast. Yeah, right. You know, and we like having at and least two a, sections. Yeah, sure. You and read this, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and then you, you know, that's a that's a kind of a minor cost saving production issue that it's, we're it's related now. to your printing. Uh, right, it I is. Understand because right, you know. we're printing in Prineville now. Yeah, and uh, that's been a dramatic shift uh, over the past. Uh, a couple of months. Do you feel okay with that printing press over there? We're doing. We're, it's getting better. Yes, okay. I do feel okay. There, I think there, there those, was some early criticism that I personally right. heard from those. Fo those folks have worked really hard to kind of help us get back up on our feet. You know, with the uh, the old press that's in our building now is actually being torn down as we speak, and is being sold off in pieces. And so uh, we have moved uh, all our press operations to Primeville, and it, it'll get better. The deadlines will improve. The coverage will get better. But it takes it takes quite a while to shift something that that's so mechanically driven. So, just right. we're asking for a little patience. I we'll get, get there. I get that. Yeah. But so the the bulletin is still um, 
You're, you're still functioning out of the Chandler yeah. Avenue yes, we are. building, but right. you don't own it anymore. There's no, we no don't. Bulletin does not own, you never did own it, but there's somebody else. Right. We are, so we are leasing it now, and we may be there uh, for another two years. We may be there longer. We haven't uh, quite nailed that down yet, but right. uh, we won't be leaving town, that's for sure. <laughs> so um, I, one question that came up, uh, something that came up during our one of our breaks, uh, and I thought I would just ask you, you were in Billings working for oh, the right. Gazette. Uh, when the not in our town, right, right, there? yeah, there was an anti-Semitic uh, incident where someone threw uh, some bricks through somebody's wall yeah. or glass window, window, window of a kid. because they had a menorah, I think, in the window, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so were you working at the paper at that? I time? was, yes, and yeah. that you know that kind of uh, shocked everybody because you know Billings is is kind of a uh, you know a white collar town and it and you know very uh, Republican at the time. And just shocked people that there would be kind of a hate crime like that going on in town. So uh, one of the editors at the paper decided, why don't we print a full-page double-truck menorah picture that we tell people that they can put in their windows, and everybody in town can do that. And so we did that um, right after the incident, and they went up all over town. People were just jumped on the opportunity and so it was great there's an issue where a newspaper again involved in this community can just say you know um this this is something that people can protest uh that this this kind of uh uh, behavior is not going to be accepted here it it was it was incredibly moving thing to to uh to see that the newspaper did that Mm -hmm. i i was uh, i one of my old friends is a woman named patrice o'neill who's who's the director of an organization called Not in Our Town. Mm-hmm. They did the PBS film about that uh, that event in Billings but back in the 90s. And uh, I actually got sent to Billings on my way to go, go fly fishing to uh, meet with somebody there to kind of get a sense of what kind of story there was there. And then I phoned my friend Patrice and they said, yeah, there's a story. And she turned it into a one-hour documentary. But that Not in Our Town movement that started there, it was literally uh, a business in Billings put those words up on its marquee. Sure. That was how it started. It was just yeah. that simple. And then yeah. the newspaper editors, you picked it up, and the menorahs all in everybody's windows. It was so moving. Yeah. It was really, yeah. it's well, an I thought incredible about the, story. I thought about that this weekend when they had the stabbings at the uh, the um, the rabbi's home in New York State. Yeah. You know, I thought, th- this is just this is the kind of thing that people have to nip in the bud. This is just not going to be acceptable. Yeah. And, you know, I thought about, well, maybe the bulletin ought to do something about it in our paper here. But... Um, you know, if something like that arises here, we'll we'll be uh, uh, out front with it as well. And what was great about Billings was it wasn't just, I mean, there was anti-Semitism, but there was also racism. There were some white supremacist skinheads that were involved. There were some gangs from L.A. Uh, there. A small African-American church there. There was a native woman right. who had... Uh, racist graffiti scrawled on her on her house, and right, the, painter, yes. the painters' union literally volunteered. All these union painters came and painted her house. It's just amazing, yeah, amazing yeah. stuff that was done. That really, yeah, it's just it's just that kind of important stuff. Um, so I have just one more question to ask you that's on a national level, but I wanted to before I get to that question, <coughs> is there anything more that you wanna that you wanna say? you want to add that, that you haven't had opportunity to uh... well I would say just to the readers um, support us as much as you possibly can we appreciate the investors stepping up and helping us it's a pleasure to work in a community that that wants to have its local newspaper strong and vibrant and I think you'll see some changes coming on throughout uh, 2020 you'll see some uh, more coverage of issues like the climate change issue 
Um, and I think you'll see some n- new platforms rolling out uh, that the newspaper will offer so people can access their news faster. So it's, it's, uh, it's a good time to be in the business. It really is. It's very exciting, and it's, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm over it. And so uh, look, looking forward to see how we do this year. All right. And the only question I have left has to do with uh, the President of the United States. Um, and who might that be? <laughs> What, what what goes through your mind, and what if you maybe you probably can't recall, the, but what maybe you know what, what went through your mind the first time you heard him call media the enemy of the people? What what does that do for you as somebody who's spent their life in journalism? Well, I think he, you know, obviously he's misinformed, yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of presidents, and you know, obviously their vice presidents were assigned to be the attack dog to the media, so it's not really something new. It just because of the the rap the rapidity of social media, it could, it seems to have uh, gotten itself anchored a lot faster than it did th- during the other administrations. Um, but we have to be the watchdog of government, and we can't back down from doing that. And it doesn't matter who's in office; it really doesn't. And uh, you know, Barack Obama got a lot of criticism um, from the media. He didn't like it. He tried to uh, restrict some access by them. You know, he got some bad press over that. Uh, so it, it's, I don't think it's ever going to end. It probably won't be the last word um, from the Trump administration or whoever is the next president. There'll still be that criticism. Um, but we have to do that job. And the public has to rely on us to, to be that, that voice or that ear in the room that knows what's going on so they, they can make their uh, wisest decisions on who to vote for. Hopefully it won't be. as I mean, the, the things that really kind of freak me out about it is you know like you're a reporter and you're covering a rally mm-hmm. and the president literally yeah, points you out points at you and there's 10,000 people that that start yelling at you and see, I mean yeah I know that would I think be kind of I, I think that would be scary myself yeah. I mean I, I would that would be a well the, the electronic very, media yeah they really they're they're when they go to those rallies they were uh, put they're put I think in the center of the auditorium and they have security around them but they are pointed out as you know they're as yeah. the media and it that there's no place for that really I mean the media is just doing its job as it should be right. and the readers are to and the the people ought to be happy that there's a media there um you know if there's nobody watching what the government's doing, then then what do you know what's going on today or tomorrow? Or how can you make a, a wise decision on what you should be doing with your finances or or any kind of investments and things like that? So it, it's, it's critical to the democracy of this country. Yeah, I would agree with that. I also wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't object if, if, uh, if the entire national media decided not to cover Donald Trump's next rally. That, you know, <laughs> but it would still get happen. out there. You know, that's the thing. Well, anyway, anything more, Jerry? No, uh, Jerry no I, it's been fun. Yeah, this great. is great. I'd like to have you back on at some point. Sure, sure. Every, you know, yeah, and we'll we'll get some reporters up here too to talk about their their yeah, various beats. Yeah, the idea listener that we talked about uh, was the idea of having reporters on the shows from time to time, just kind of talking about, sort of helping us flesh out some of the issues that they're covering and that we're looking at here mm-hmm. in the community. Kind of bringing right. bringing that would be uh, very helpful. Yeah, it would be great. Well, thanks again. I really do appreciate it. Jerry O'Brien, editor of The Bulletin. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.